Hi, this is Stephen Cummings, artist of Star Wars Crimson Rain and Hidden Empire series. You are listening to the Execute Chapter 66 podcast. Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we are back with another fan favorite, E.K. Johnston, Crimson Climb, another book about Kira. Hooray! My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Shonk. Over to you first, Chad. Your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this brand new book. Uh, over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars. Uh, that has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, is there anything going on in the world of Star Wars? Yeah, not really. Uh, it has been. This is the quietest I think it's ever been. You know, the big thing, obviously, this week, Phase 3 has begun with the Eye of Darkness and the High Republic. Uh, we'll be talking about it in a few weeks. Um, I have finished the book, and I will say, just for people that are looking to start reading it, if you've not read The Blade the Porter Engel comic. I highly recommend reading that. Um, also maybe a little refresh of the, uh, high Republic adventures comic. There's some stuff that comes into play. Um, but I'll say it is a, it's an excellent book and highly recommended, but whoa, there is a lot of characters. There's a lot to remember in this book. Like you gotta, you gotta remember phase one and two, <laughs> like, and all these names, they just you, threw You had me him. at Space Hero Kevin comes back. Yep. Yeah. And I also would recommend the uh, stories that we talked about from um, Tales of Light and Light. Life and Light. Um, those also come into play. Um, yeah, no toys. You know, the big news, the actor's writer strike has ended. Um, so we are getting... I would say it's nice and maybe they're purposely letting kind of letting it breathe a little bit, but especially the uh, actors and actresses from Ahsoka are getting to post their back, like behind the scenes pictures. Yeah. And there's been some really cool things they've shown, particularly of um, Stevenson. So that's been kind of cool to see. Yeah. That's been neat to see. They were They all seem very, I've seen, I follow numerous actors on Instagram and every single actor on Instagram is like, as soon as the strike was over is like, Okay, here now I get to talk about all the stuff that came out while we were on strike. Yeah, so and they've been showing pictures and uh huh, yeah. uh, and they've been Everybody's able to release the uh, acolyte stuff. So they're gearing up. You can tell for the acolyte, um, they've released. There's going to be writers on the acolyte instead of just a single writer, which is a little bit different than we have seen um, yeah. over the last couple of shows. Which I think is going to be a good thing. Um, there are rumors circulating around that the release schedule of the acolyte is being looked at. Um, you know, if you've seen Marvel is going to release echo all at once, all six episodes. Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen to the acolyte, but we'll see. Um, and then on the comics news, before we throw it to Chad, they did post a warning today. If you're a comics reader, uh, Star Wars, I think it's 41, which is the December issue, 
we'll spoil all of the end of Dark Droids before it comes out. <laughs> and so they came out and they were like, so, I mean, if you like, you really just want to read it, you need to wait and not read the issue of Star Wars, the regular comic that comes out, until you read the final fifth issue. Uh, speaking of dark droids, how's that going, Chad? Did they come for the metal yet? Because I'm not sick of hearing that yet. Oh, they still say it. They come for the metal. <laughs> they come for the meat. Yep. Um, dark droids is still going. Uh, uh, with dark droids number four, Darth Vader number forty, and Doctor Afra number thirty-eight. Um, the Vader one irked me. Uh, it. it it's just I'm not agreeing with Pac's characterization of Vader right now, um, and I'm also wondering where where did the Handmaidens go? That was a huge story that just got completely jettisoned. Like the Sabe thing didn't get didn't really get wrapped up at all. Just kind of blew by it. You know, this is when I realized that this period has been going on too long. I was reading. I think issue two or three of dark droids and they talk about going to Java's palace and it actually went through my head. Wait, how are they going to Java's palace? He's dead. And then I had to remember, Nope, we nope. still are before return of the Jedi. How yeah. is this possible? <laughs> like, Well, and the other thing about dark droids too, is I don't understand how they can ever get back to normal after this. How do they ever trust another droid again? Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't understand how it, fits in with the galaxy and how, how the, you know, it's, it's always tricky with stories like this. You have to like, you tell them, you know, all, all this stuff, Crimson Rain was like this too. And in, in empire where you have to tell it and you, but you still have to believe that it exists in the world of the movies and everything else. And dark droids isn't doing that for me. Yeah. I don't know how you put this back in the box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly that's true. However, there were two other comics that came out. We had, um, High Republic Shadows of Starlight number two. This one focuses on the year uh, after the fall of Starlight, focusing on El- Elzar and Avar. And Beth, Avar is not okay. I knew it. She's not okay. I'm going to confirm Avar is definitely not okay. <laughs> yeah, she's not all right. Um, and then uh, High Republic number one for phase three com- came out by Kevin Scott. Um, the... Uh, uh, this this series is going to be focusing on just like last time. It's going to be focusing on Kiev, and um, yeah, it looks like Scary really is dead. At least, I mean, it's got it's got an image of him getting taken out by a leveler. In the Does book. it? Yeah. Mm. So oddly, yeah. now that may be ski- that may be Kiev's like memory or like yeah. Kiev's imagination or something, but. I mean, they're they're acting like he's dead, and Lorna D shows up too, so she's still around. I think, having already read Eye of Darkness, the comics are going to be interesting. I think even more than normal, because you know, Eye of Darkness starts a year after Starlight has fallen, and so this is going to fill in the year. So it's going to be kind of cool to see, like how they get into position on certain things. Like they kind of hint at it in the book, but it definitely made me excited to read the comics more and see how did this actually happen and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, that's all the comics for this time around. 
So Beth, tell us a little bit about your interview with E.K. Johnston. Well, you will notice that when we get into it, this interview is a little bit shorter than if you listen to my other interviews from Dragon Con um, with Timothy Zahn and Delilah S. Dawson. And that's because Alex from Star Wars Explained was also scheduled to do an interview and we were going to do a group interview, but he got a pre-release copy. So he was going to do a spoiler interview and graciously said, hey, let's split the time. You go take 10 minutes and do your non-spoiler interview and then I'll do my spoiler interview afterwards. So that was very nice of him because I didn't want to be spoiled going into this book. Um, she was great. She was super fun. She told me to at her on Instagram and uh, I guess get up in her DMs so that I could get pre-release books, which I still need to do. And I swear I will. Um, and hopefully I can make that happen for all three of us. Hi, EK. We like your books. We love you, EK. <laughs> Give us books. <laughs> Let's start with the Ahsoka book, which was fantastic. Um, and we loved getting to see the stuff in brought into the Clone Wars and then now brought into Tales of the Jedi with those two scenes with her fighting Maul and then with her fighting the sixth brother. Yeah. How exciting was it for you to see those two uh, scenes brought to life? <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. I remember um, it was last, so Celebration in Anaheim, yeah. And I was at the fountain out front because there was like an Ahsoka meetup or something like that. And all of a sudden my phone started going bananas and I was like, something dropped during the animation <laughs> panel. And there were like a million people tagging me in the picture of Ahsoka and the Inquisitor that, that they had shown. And um, I just think it's like, it's, it's so cool that we get to do like multiple sides of the same story because there's stuff that I can write about that you can't really do in animation and then there's stuff that they can do in the animation that doesn't really work in a book and all that kind of stuff. So I love that we get to approach it from so many different angles. Well, a lot of times too, it's, um, it's either written really well and then doesn't translate to screen or vice versa. In this case, it was really exciting to read and picture, but then it translated so well too into yeah. live action <laughs> as it were. Yeah, and I, I, love, I love that as well. And it's one of the things I really like about writing for Star Wars is that you get those like team elements all the time. Um, and so it's always fun when you're like, oh yes, now I have a high quality screen cap that I can use in my, <laughs> that I can use in my promo um, and that kind of stuff. Now, did you know about it before they did it? How much did you know in advance? Um, so I didn't really know anything about it. Um, <laughs> um, my background, like my education is in um, forensic archaeology and crime scene investigation, which means I was like literally taught to like put things together and solve puzzles. Um, and so sometimes with Star Wars, I actively try not to think about the puzzle pieces I have because I love finding stuff out with the crowd and like getting all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times I actively try not to think about it <laughs> so that I can have that like, yes, moment when everything happens with everybody else. And like, there's been several times now where we've all been together at a convention or something and something has happened. And I've been like, on my phone, like getting ready to go onto a panel and like, it kind of goes through the room and like it's always really exciting. <laughs> um, so really good job on the Queen's books giving all of the handmaidens the, the really individual personalities and getting all of them so different and having such real rich lives. They don't feel one-dimensional at all. 
Um, did one become one of a favorite? Do you have a favorite handmade? Um, I mean, obviously Sabe kind of was always going to be like my main character, secondary main character. They're kind of like co-protagonists a lot of the time. Um, but I think the one that I wasn't really expecting to spend as much time with as I did was Sashe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like said a bunch of things that were like almost throwaway lines in Queen's Shadow. And then when I got to write Queen's Peril, I was like, oh, and these are both Sashe scenes. And I've been thinking about them for like several years now. So <laughs> now I get to like round them out. And, and that was really fun. Um, and I also really enjoyed writing, um, as kind of depressing as it was, Corday and Verse. Um, because we really only have those few seconds with them on screen, and it was nice to kind of get to sit down with them and, and, and see what they were up to. Yeah, that made it a little more sad, too. Yeah, the next time I watched it, I was like, oh, not expecting those feelings. Yeah, now that hurts. <laughs> uh, speaking of Sabe, though, um, what, how much do you know about what's happening in comics with her, and, and how do you feel about it, if you do know? No, so that was another like classic classic Twitter moment where I woke up, one morning and had like a million messages that were like, oh my God, did they send you the comic? And so I emailed my editor and I was like, Jen, do I need the Vader comic for some reason? <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, and like emailed me everything immediately. So I've actually seen, I think the comics have caught up to where I am now. I honestly forget. Um, I, I'm terrible at keeping track of comics. I find it really, <laughs> oh, cha- very challenged by keeping track of comic books. Really tough. Um, but I, so I did get to read them. And then um, in that sort of first wave, which came out after Queen's Peril, I think. Um, And then, so I got to talk to Greg, and one of the things that, so he said two things during our initial conversation that I was like, we are on the same wavelength, was like, I had said something like, I was super concerned about Tonra for a second there. And he was like, I'm not going to kill any of them. And I was like, whoo, thank God. <laughs> He's like, I wouldn't do that to you. And I was like, thanks. Um, I was and worried then, about that too yeah, for a minute. Terrified. Please don't kill um, And then the other thing um, is that uh, Dorme is there. So it's the original four and Dorme. And both of us, both Greg Peck and I, had like decided independently that Sasha was their designated survivor. So that's why she's not there. Like it literally was not a conversation we had until after the comic was printed, but we both jumped to like the same conclusion, which is always fun. And then we actually got to talk back and forth while I was working on Queen's Hope and he was working on the second wave of the Sabe comics. Um, and basically come up with ways to make them increasingly painful as we, <laughs> as we went along. So a lot of the stuff in the Queen's Hope and the second wave of the, um, Anik- er, the Sabe Vader comic was stuff that we had sort of collabed on a little bit just to sort of make sure we were hitting all the emotional notes. And um, it, one thing the Queen's Peril showed is teenage girls just being teenage girls. And it's so silly and so fun and it's just... It could be any teenage girls anywhere, not in a world of space wizards. And I think we don't see a lot of that in Star Wars. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with those scenes. I actually came, I, I was on a panel. I think it was like one of the Brian and Holly's like pretend history panels or something like that. And um, I had said something like, "Oh, yeah, there was this story that I really wanted to include in the book, where they all sneak out to go to a concert and blah blah blah, whatever." And then I was like, "Guys, I need a pen. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have to write this down because I'm currently pitching another one, and I'm going to be putting this in it." And um, you know, everybody, the Return of the Jedi 40th came out. The book, from a certain point of view, came out, and so everyone was joking like, "Oh, only like 26 more years until like Phantom Menace, or however many years it is." And I was like, I don't really want to, like, I don't think I need to do one. Like, I feel like I rewrote a lot of Phantom Menace already. And then I was like, no, wait, what is New 
neurotransmitter affection doing during the occupation. <laughs> Suddenly I've decided I desperately need to write that scene. So I'll just wait like till 2039 or whenever it is. It'll be fun. Well, and that is honestly the only point where I really felt like it was a YA book. They don't feel like YA books at all. And there's so many of the YA books that are coming out now that just don't feel YA because they do deal with some heavy stuff and, and people are dying and yeah. and you just don't think about that as YA books much. I think that's like kind of a common misconception um, across like all reader stuff. Like I usually describe when people ask me the difference, particularly with, with regard to Star Wars books. I'm like in Star Wars adult books, it's like plot first. In Star Wars YA books, it's feelings first. And in Star Wars Middle Grade, it is the darkest stuff you can possibly imagine <laughs> all of the time. Like, some of those Middle Grade books, you're yeah. like, what? Um, Wait, what does Middle Grade mean? How yeah, old should you nine to twelve. This? Nine to twelve. And I you're don't like, feel old uh, enough to yeah. read some of this. This is very, very dark. But I think part of it, too, is that, like, Star Wars was originally written for kids. And so it's always had that sort of, like, all-ages feel to it. Um, and... More with Ahsoka, I wanted to make sure that like anybody who had watched the Clone Wars could read the book, even if it was being read to them, because their reading level wasn't, they weren't quite comfortable reading it yet. Um, but the Padme books, I kind of, <laughs> kind of got to go a little bit in the other direction and um, write some stuff that I think a lot of times grown-ups don't think is happening in YA books, but is like 1,000% happening <laughs> in YA books. <laughs> um, and then just to end here with Crimson Climb, did you read Crimson Rain? First, I did, yes. Okay. So um, they had sent me most of the comics because part of them were the Sabe overlap. As I said, terrible keeping track of comics. Um, and then I had read all of the War of the Bounty Hunter, and then they sent me the second um, Crimson Rain bit. And um, then I got, like, the pages that are just, like, Charles's notes. <laughs> like, <laughs> me trying to figure out what things are going to look like before the pictures exist. Um, so I had all that before I did the book. Um, but because that's kind of where she has to land, um, the stuff that I focused on more was um, Merle Lafferty's novelization of the Solo movie, which has the famous inhibitor trip conversation, which is not a film, but is a fantastic scene. Um, and then also Ray Carson's Most Wanted, which is um, takes place before the movie, and my book takes place like during. Okay. So. Great. Well, I'm very excited to read it, and um, we will be covering it as soon as we get get a, <laughs> our hands on it after Dragon Con. See what I can do. <laughs> I know some people. Right. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. A coaxium now. As we're going through, not before. Do it. Just do it, do it. Security! Security, there has been a breach. Run! 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 Get your hands over! Security backup. Run! Run! Go! Rambler has been apprehended. Yeah! I'll come back! I'll come Beginning just moments after the prologue of Solo, A Star Wars Story, E.K. Johnson's Crimson Climb tells us the story of Kira, who vows never to trust a boy with a nice smile ever again. After being caught at the starport and dragged back to Lady Proxima by Moloch, Kira is tortured for a bit for her runaway attempt, 
and the enraged crime lord sells her to a mysterious figure named Sarkin. But before she goes off with her new owner, she has to run some missions for him on Corellia along with Proxima's other scrum rats. After a particular mission goes wrong, getting most of the elder rats killed by Imperial stormtroopers, Sarkin finally takes possession of Kira, puts her in some skimpy clothing, and before he can do anything awful, is forced to give her away to an agent of Crimson Dawn who thinks her boss, the terrifying Dryden Voss, will like the cut of her jib. So much for Sarkin, I guess. We hardly knew ye. Kira is taken off uh, Corellia for only the second time in her life, and then into hyperspace for the first. They travel to Voss's flagship, the utterly opulent First Light. Voss does indeed take a shine to young Kira. He puts her through some trials. She kind of gets beat up a little bit. Uh, but soon he grows to trust her, and he puts her in with a group of Crimson Dawn wannabes who are running a protection racket on planet something. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, Kira impresses. And after that, the gang is all called back to the first light to begin training as proper agents. Kira is picked up, by, picked by Voss to be his new protege and future lieutenant, and begins instructing her. And he begins instructing her in martial arts, diplomacy, uh, and many other skills that will be useful if she is to be his right hand gal. Kira also learns early on in this book that she doesn't have a whole lot of problem killing people. She kills a rival scrum rat. Uh, she kills a guard who assaults her, and then a seemingly innocent. Well, not innocent, but a seemingly helpless Quarren at Quinn at uh, at uh, Voss's command, who then sucks out the deceased ink and uses it to give Kira her Crimson Sun tattoo, which is pretty gnarly. Kira and Dryden accidentally witness a failed coup within Black Sun, which leads to some plotting I wasn't quite clear on, but it involves Kira rooting out an informant who is leaking info to other criminal enterprises. Eventually, the perpetrators of said betrayal are executed, and a few a few innocents along the way too. Uh, the book climaxes as Kira and her team are sent on an Indiana Jones-style mission for Crimson Dawn's mysterious benefactor, we know him as Maul, to collect a Force artifact from a totally trapped-out temple. Most of her team are killed by said traps, including her top rival, who dies brutally. But eventually they find the MacGuffin Cube and return it to Dryden, who says that Kira has to deliver it herself to their true boss. And she does, taking her final steps into the clutches of Crimson Dawn. We end with a brief epilogue type thing, with Kira sitting at the same table she was at the end of Hidden Empire, feeling sorry for herself, watching the galaxy celebrate the end of Palpatine, when a figure approaches her. She says, I always knew it would be you, and then the book ends, soprano style. And my first question is, please explain the end to me. Who is this cloaked figure in the bar? Oh, I don't know. I was hoping I was hoping you would know. Because if played like I was supposed to know who it was. I kind of think it's playing for a sequel like are we gonna see what she does next um yeah, i hope so but it can't be any of the main characters like the main trilogy characters because no. they're no. all on indoor at that point no it can't be any of them it can't be any of her crimson dawn associates they're all dead or scattered like it, it doesn't it the way it described the like oh and they had a black cloak on and and whatever and then they reach it, it it just reminded me of the end of the Sopranos where I was like in the middle of a sentence and I was like yeah. what's what 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 <laughs> what's happening next um but not to dwell on the end uh that was just confusing to me but I'm glad you guys didn't get it either so that makes me feel better uh I like this book it was extremely fun um not a lot happens i mean we're kind of we know point a and we know point b so we know where she started we know where she ends up 
this is just filling in details. And I absolutely don't mind the filling in details. It's just not an action-packed book with a lot of stakes. Yeah, all the stakes are very personal. Right. For her. Um, I mean, I'd say the stakes are fairly high for her. Well, yeah. I mean, she's she's constantly fighting for her own survival and and just trying to make it to the next day, basically. But we know she's going to live. That's true. That's true. We 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 do know where where she's going to end up in this. Um, but I thought I did a really good job of showing. You know, when you watch Solo, there's a you know there's a, a difference between the Kira you meet in the prologue and the Kira you meet in the rest of the movie, and. This does a good job of explaining the types of things, not everything, because this doesn't cover the whole time period. But it explains the type of things that she has been getting into that Han, she think, believes that Han would not approve of. You know, cause she tells him in the movie, like, you know, the things I've done, you don't know, you don't know me anymore, basically. Um, and I think this book does a really good job of showing like, oh, yeah, she does. She actually does some awful shit. For, the, for this. I think it did a really good job, too, of sorting out her feelings of Han leaving her. Yeah. But at the same time, still, how much she did love him. And like that in Solo was always not weird, but I mean, there was definitely a big gap there of she she was kind of when you just watch the movie, it's kind of all right, you go. And then when we meet her later, she's clearly not too happy with him. Um, yeah. And so but, I think they did, but she still has affection for him. And I think that did a yeah. good job balancing it. Yeah, I can identify with that, that dichotomy of, I told you to go, wait, I can't believe you left. Like yeah. that's, that's a girl thing. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure other people have done it too, but I mean, that's that's a thing that totally happens is that you you want someone to do something and then you can't believe they did it. And you're like, what the hell? You son of a bitch. I didn't think you'd actually do it. Yeah. And it's important to remember, like, we know where Han went, but she doesn't. Like, once he's through that door, he's gone. And for her, it's he didn't come back. Um, She doesn't know he's joined the Empire and he's gone to flight school and in the comic series and all the stuff. Um, Han Solo, Imperial Cadet. Uh, yeah, she, 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 they do, you're right. They do a very good job. Johnston does a very good job of um, tracking that, you know, you know, she's holding on to his dice. She had to find a way to make it where she would hold on to his dice because she gives them back to him in the movie. Mm-hmm. So she's got to hold on to them. But also make it where, you know, because Kira is out for herself more than anything, because she has to be. And she is, I I like that she's almost mad at herself that she let Han get to her. Mm -hmm. And that she has to, she has to kind of vow, like, not to let that happen again. That she's always got to look, she dared hope for a second. And that's not something she can afford to do, is dream in that way. Um, so the dice works too is a really good like metaphor for all of it especially you know when she's when they're leaving the planet and god i can't believe i can't remember the name of it because they call it the gang of 
Thalia? I can't remember what the planet is. They say yeah, it like a million like, times. Something like, it's, something like, it's like Thalia or something. It starts right. with something a like TH. That. I remember that. Um, yeah. But when she's leaving to go meet with Dryden, she almost leaves him. And like, there's a couple of moments like that where you can kind of use the dice to gauge kind of where she's at with her past and things like that, which is, I think, a good way to do it. What was the point of Sarkin? I think the Sarkin part was it almost went really, really bad. Like, right. he was going to do real bad stuff for her, to her. And yeah. I think it makes her, uh, it makes the assimilation into Crimson Dawn her a little more open to it because she's not, I mean, he was, I think it's implied he was threatening that she was going to be a sex slave basically. Um, And so I think like from her perspective, it's well, I mean, I can go up in this organization and I'm not going to be assaulted. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? As far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, the white worms are bad, but this could get a lot worse. I just wish we'd spent a little more time with him in the book because I agree with you and, but it, it happened so quickly. Yeah. Like she went to start, she went to Sarkin and within like three pages, she was off with Crimson Dawn and I was, I got a little whiplash. That was all. I think it also acts as an inner, like, I think if you go from the white worm straight to Crimson Dawn, it gives the white worms a little too much position like moving forward. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, she right. needed other things to compare it to. Yeah. Like I went I, from this terrible situation to this worst, terrible situation. Uh, it can't get much worse, but let's find out. I, I don't even know. Like well, that too, but I think it's like the white worms are this, like they're, they're a neighborhood gang. Yeah. And so I think like, if you just had Crimson Dawn come into the neighborhood gang, that jump is really big. And so even though it's short, you kind of see her moving up through steps. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely skeezy. I'm not not saying he wasn't skeezy. That was definitely that was definitely for sure. I do feel like he could have used with, well, not more development, but more time. Yeah, just a little more time with a little more time, a few more pages. It it happened really quickly where all of a sudden someone from Crimson Dawn shows up and goes, oh, we'll take her. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, 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 like, no, we'll, we'll take her. Dried Vossel like her, which also felt sounded ominous when it was said. When they kept saying, like, Dryden's going to like you. Dryden's going to like you. And you're like, hmm, that's a little. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually my big number one question from this book is why? Why does Dryden Voss want Kira? He obviously doesn't have any physical designs on her. I think, though she serves that purpose and they talk about it in a scene. She acts as a distraction. Like here is this beautiful woman that you look at when you come meet with me and I can kind of suss out what else is happening. You know what I mean? Like you've got your eyes on her and I, and it's always mentioning, stuff. it's yeah. always mentioning he's always putting his hands on her. Mm-hmm. He's always like putting his hands on the the small of her back or on her knee or something while only while they're meeting with people. Mm-hmm. He's throwing them off yeah. because they're thinking of that's what they're thinking. And that gives him an advantage. And I think they say it at one point, like, yeah, 
yeah, if they if they're thinking about this, they're letting their guard down on other stuff, and it lets him kind of slide in. Yeah, because because you're right. You don't feel like he has any designs on her in that way. Mm-mm. Um, and and I'm glad it never it never kind of evolved yeah. that way. No, I am too. Well, and it, it's clear, and I'm glad they did it because in Solo, there's like I kept thinking, there's the scene in Solo in the very beginning when he when Han first comes in and he touches her like that. They're sitting on the yeah. couch, and there's a very purposeful where he puts his hand on her. And that always kind of read in the movie, like yeah, like yeah, there's something, something going else on. going on. Yeah, yeah, and I like that this makes it clear that it's not that he's throwing Tobias and Han off. And especially in that case, understanding that Kira and Han have some kind of relationship already, really kind mm-hmm. of using that using that to throw Han off balance. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like the characterization of Dryden in this. I thought it was nice to spend more time with him. I mean. Nice. I mean, he's a he's a pretty cold hearted bastard, but, you know, it's still cool to get more screen time with him. You know, someone who is the who's the villain uh, in Solo. Yeah, he's a great character. He's weird as hell. Yeah, yeah. he's which I really appreciate. And I do like it. I she wrote his voice very well. Like when I when you read the lines, like I hear it in Paul Bettany's voice and kind of how he does that kind of weird inflection uh, in the movie. And so the way she did his dialogue just felt exactly right. Um, and I like they included his weirdo veins on the, his face or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm even curious, like, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but she like uses it. Like she can read him. Um, I would like to know what that is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I ever will. He was originally supposed to be an alien, yeah. more of an alien in the in the movie, and they went back and scaled back his look, I guess, and that's mm-hmm. some something that's left over from from that look. Yeah, or those veins. Yeah, I think he and not to be a dead horse, but you know, I think he uses her like he uses that trophy room when they explain it. Like he's got all that stuff in there, but it's to make people look at it and think about it rather than concentrate on why they're there. And she's the same thing. I think that's why he gives her the necklace and all that. Like it it forces attention to her. Um, And makes them guessing like, who is this and why is she here and all that kind of stuff. And why her? Mm -hmm. I mean, she does prove to be, you know, uh, she does prove to be capable during the, the events of, you know, when they're uh, on Thalia, or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she does prove to be capable during that. She does, you know, carry herself in a way that um, would make one think she knows what she's talking about or make, make one think that she knows what she's doing. So I guess he probably just, he, she, I, I think you just kind of have to go with the fact that he just sees something in her. Mm-hmm. Why they thought he would like her. I mean, the only thing you can go on is based on her physical appearance, mm-hmm. right? In In that case, so that, you know, Maybe there is something salacious there from his lieutenant's point of view, but um, but I think it's it's far more interesting. The relationship they end up creating is far more interesting as it, than if it had gone the other way. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. really interesting. Uh, one thing I appreciate about E.K. Johnson, man, she loves her some clothes. <laughs> 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 and I'm right there with her. Like normally, like I wouldn't like. 
you know, I, I wouldn't really care if I, I, there's something with this and the other, you know, books where we've talked about it, like clothes are always a, a defining character thing. And this one, it's like even bigger because she's constantly like losing her jacket and her boots. She's and cold. And yeah. Tr- tracking her clothing through the whole book is important. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's a, it, it is a story in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, in, in, in the book is tracking her wardrobe. Um, well, she gets her boots back through some vicious means. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she, she, she definitely, uh, she's definitely more brutal than I expected her to be in this. I, especially early on. Like yeah. when she yeah. let the hounds out to eat Emma, I was like, yeah, Oh, we're already that. I mean, I guess she knew like I'm done for here. So, well, and she she says that she knows that Emma's if if she gets away and lets Emma go, that Emma's going to stew on it and come for her eventually. So, why take the chance? Even if she's getting off Corellia, why take the chance? Because that might not pan out. She's always what I like about Kira. She's always got plans upon plans upon plans, backups on backups on backups. But I think we see in this, we I think we see her learning to be that person, right? Mm-hmm. Learn learning to 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 be that person with the backups upon backups. She doesn't necessarily have that yet. She's she's still, you know, she she when we meet her in this book, she's in such desperate straits, and she is for a majority of the book, um, in a pretty desperate situation. It, it gets better for her when when she gets picked to be a crime lord. Um, which, you know, I guess it's a win for her, but, um, she's very, very desperate when, when the, the book starts and it, 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 Johnston does a good job of developing that psyche of what that desperation does to her and how it, how it affects all of her decisions. Yeah. And that like fear of having to go back to the silo. I was glad the silo stuff was in there. Yeah. Yeah. I was so glad we had read most wanted. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, because there's mentions of Sulo. Um, Rebolt was back, right? And company the ha- the Hound guys were back, only to get killed. But still, Rebolt was back briefly. And Johnston, I know on social media, she's been posting pictures of this book alongside Most Wanted in the solo novelization. It's like a trilogy for her. Like to her, this was finishing off a. Kira trilogy, basically. Um, I was glad to see some of the Crimson Rain were the bounty hunter characters too. Yeah, Margot. Yeah, we got Margot. We got uh, what's her name? What's the the one that's force sensitive? Um, oh, I don't remember. Her main little buddy. They don't come out and say she's force sensitive. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember her name. Like the the one who ends up being an attendant to her. Yes, I cannot yeah. remember her name. Her friend that uh, reads feelings. <laughs> yeah, her intuitive attendant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This book once again taught me, though. I mean, not to be specious like Beth is, but yeah. what? we learned that we learned that last time. Um. Look, you you just can't trust Rodans. Like, there's no good ones. They're all bad. They're going to double cross you every time. 
just don't trust them. Don't leave them outside to wait for you. Don't give them anything. It's just terrible. Was it a holocron? I assume I so. Um, it was described as a cube. It was. So not quite a holocron. But like, it's it's just a Sith artifact. We know that Maul's collecting them, right? We see that. We know, we know that Maul's collecting Sith artifacts and Force artifacts. And so the, why he thinks that they could do it and he couldn't do it, I'm not so sure. Uh, I don't think he could get in. Right? Like, that's the whole thing. Like, she can get in because it doesn't... She's not Force-sensitive. And if you're Force-sensitive, it won't let you in. Oh, okay. Is that yeah, what I didn't was? pick that up. So that's why he couldn't just go do it. There's a line when the uh, holocron... Or the hologram of the... Was it the... Is it a Jedi? Um, plays. And he says something to that effect. Like okay. others couldn't, I, it read you and you couldn't get in. Oh yeah. I missed had, that. Had the bad juju. Also, did he eat it? How, how did he get in his chest? <laughs> like <laughs> she has to like reach through yeah. his chest and pull it out. And I was like, how did he get it there? <laughs> like, I assumed it was on like a necklace and when he rotted it like fell in or something. Yeah, I just figured it was laying on him. No, because it talks about putting her hand in it. She like says it feels like paper. She puts his hand in his chest and pulls it out and then springs it. You're right. It was definitely like an Indiana Jones. Like when she went to pull it out, I was like, "Uh oh, here comes the boulder. (laughs) (laughs) Sure enough, the ceiling started coming down. (laughs) Yeah. And oh, even she, it had the blades from Last Crusade, where like yeah. she did the down and the blade went across. And yeah, then, come on, e. Penitent Johnson, Man. E.K. E. Johnson, yeah, only a penitent man can pass. E.K. Johnson said that at, at Dragon Con, though, that she got to do an Indiana Jones sequence. She actually You're right. called it. She said that. So, so, so she she was very shamelessly doing Indiana Jones there. It's not. Yeah. She she, she, she wouldn't. She would not uh, deny it. Let's talk about something else E.K. Johnson said at Dragon Con. I am going to fully take on that her words were just that there was a mention or a cameo. And she even said it's not big. It's not a big thing about yes. Infus Nest. Infus Nest, yes. Of course, I took it and was hoping we were getting full on Infus Nest action. Like, at least we were going to see her. And that is not what happened. I mean, we got a nice little mention and like, it was like a, you know, a little subtle clever where she just walks in and overhears them taking care of a nest. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even catch it. No, but nor did I, I, yeah. I, I had built it up way too much. Yeah. <laughs> I want, I've gotten Jason solo. Where is, I mean, Jason Sindola, where is Infus Ness? Yeah, you got to figure there. I mean, she, I don't know. I mean, if I if I was them, I'd bring her in on Andor, but as Ooh, part yeah, of the, I'd, I'd bring, bring her, her in, in on everything. I'd write yeah. books. I do all the things. Well, we know Ek wants to write Infus Nest. She yeah. said it before, like that. She would she would do an Infus Nest book tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean, I guess like I'd like to bring her on Andor or something like that just because she would be kind of a good almost foil for Saul where yeah. she's still yeah. a partisan 
but she's not as bloodthirsty and crazy as he is at this point. Um, yeah. and she's got a sweet swoop gang that can fly around. It'd be great. But, that swoop is on my shelf. Me too. It's such a good toy. It's a very good toy. Nice. It's huge. But it's so let's, big. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I, I was not disappointed about, well, I was disappointed because I didn't catch the Infus Nest, Nest reference um, until you pointed it out. So I was disappointed that I didn't catch one. Um, but I didn't expect it to be much. She she was very clear with us in particular when we asked her afterwards. She was like, it's really nothing. It's really the smallest thing. Don't get too excited. <laughs> and look, it really, I want to cut. It was excited. a very well written little thing that's in there for fans. Like that's what an Easter egg should be. It was really, really yeah. well done. I just wanted more. Yeah. I love her. And I think she wants more too. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'll get a chance to do that. Maybe maybe her goal will be to write every female character from the movie Solo. <laughs> so we'll get a we'll get a Val novel from her. We'll get an Infus Nest book. Get an L three book. So uh, I guess without much else. So do you think? Like, what would you want next? Because I think Kira is one you know that's been rumored for a show for a while or that she's going to come on something like, would you rather have more stories of Kira? Like as the domo basically, or would you rather have Kira right after mall comes and see her kind of take charge? Or do we want next? Whoever hooded cloak man is in the bar. Right. Why not both? <laughs> Fair. I mean, there's there's obviously more story there. She she very clearly left it open with when Kira walks into the red and black. There's more story between her and Maul. There's more story with whoever this hooded figure is. God, I'm disappointed you guys didn't know. <laughs> no idea. I came in here fully expecting you guys to explain it to me. Once again, Darth Maul has defeated death with hate. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And we were going to find him laying in the desert after he done gets stabbed by Obi-Wan. He just like gets up and he's like, oh, not again. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get Darth Maul in the version three. <laughs> yeah. I want to see her time with Maul. That is one thing I, I thought about. So we do know, like, you know, she goes into the red and black or whatever. And so it's strongly hinted at or said that she knows Maul before the end of Solo. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I kind of like this idea of she doesn't really get to see, like, like she has this idea, like, because she clearly is like, yeah, this guy we're working with is, I think they call him wizards and, you know, that he's force, they know he's a force sensitive but I kind of like the idea of she doesn't fully get to see him until that moment. And maybe she doesn't get to see a lot of him, but yeah, no, I mean, but, but when you go to, when you go to the movie, there is like some sense of familiarity there when he, she calls him. Yeah. Like it's not so, so I think it makes sense that they've had some contact before or, or, or at the very least that he knows who she is. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. He would have to know who she is for her to contact him and him to be like, who, wait, new phone, who dis? 
Yeah. I mean, I figured on Dryden's desk, there's just a mall button. You push the mall button. <laughs> yeah. And he's like sitting there waiting. Although I guess for like the general galaxy, they don't know who Maul is. There's no reason for him to really, right? No. 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 I mean, maybe some people know about him from Mandalore. The criminal maybe. underworld. The criminal underworld knows about him, maybe. Yeah. You know, parts of it, you know. Or yeah. or at least they know know of him. You know, they don't they don't, they don't know what he is, probably. Yeah, I am interested, though, to read and I'd like to see more about this idea. And maybe it could be another mall book about that. All the families are being controlled by him at this point and how some of them don't love it. Like, I really liked that scene with the sons and the pikes and all of them being in the huts, being in the room together. And so I'm being kind of pissy, especially Black Sun, about having to all work for him. Yeah. Also, I was really hoping we were about to get Prince Eeyore. <laughs> like, <Uh-oh>. yeah. <laughs> when she got killed. I was like, oh, I know who could take over. <laughs> they could be implying that too. You never know. Yeah, I mean, it could, could be. be. Oh, uh, we need I, who takes over though. That's true. That's true. It's her, her brother, right? Yeah. I mean, how awesome would it be instead of brother for this old Prince sexual assault? He's <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I want to see, yes, I want to see her. I don't, I don't necessarily need to see more time with her working for Dryden. Um, I think I get the sense of like what that is, which is being a crime, crime boss. Uh, I think the real story is what happens after solo and before Crimson Dawn and more of the bounty hunters, just like, because it's implied in more of the bounty hunters that she trains with Maul. So like she, her hand to hand fighting that she's learning from Dryden, she kicks it up a notch by fighting with Maul. Um, so I want to see how we saw how she kind of gets Dryden's respect as much as respect as he's willing to give out. What we don't see is, but for Maul to then take her in and teach her, yeah. what does that what does that look like? What does that take? So I'm trying to think back and this is probably just because there's too much stuff in my brain. Okay. So Maul's timeline, when does he lose control of Crimson Dawn? Do we see that? We don't know. Yeah. Okay. That's know. what I could. I was like trying to think like through, because by the time we see him in Rebels, he's, he's not running the Crimson Dawn. Yeah. He's running nothing. And then Clone War. Yeah, so we don't really know. Yeah. So that, like, I think that's it. Like, did she, who overthrew him? Like, how does he lose control of Crimson Dawn? How does he lose control of all All of of them? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, that's not a story we've gotten yet either. Mm hmm. Um, he was he 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 was running all the crime syndicates, and then yeah, next thing you know, he's on rebels and he's on his own again. Mm-hmm. He's sad, mall. A sad <laughs> mall. Yeah, I like I said I liked this. I liked putting this up next to most wanted in in the solo novelization, which I have read, um, which just has a couple extra. It has the star the um actual flight school stuff in it. Mm-hmm. That, oh, okay. That they, cut, that they cut out of the movie, um, that they turned into the comic book, basically. 
is is in the novelization. But um, but yeah, I think I I I was actually really surprised by the epilogue. Um, not just because I had no idea what was happening, but because we were getting such a direct and mm-hmm. and recent Hidden Empire reference mm-hmm. that um. You know, I want, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to send that page to Steve just to be like, by the way, this is what's going through her head in that, in those pictures you drew. You know, yeah, because uh, I didn't expect that, but uh, it does leave the door open for more. Either mm-hmm. that, or she's about to get capped. Yeah, but that can't make another book. Yeah, it's a weird moment because it's such a, it's such a heat, it's such a heavy line. I always knew it would be you, and you're like, but who? Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, most of her. <laughs> adversaries in this book are dead by the end and her friends are all dead it's 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 it was very perplexing unless it's well no does margo does margo die in crimson rain i can't remember i can't remember either i don't remember if she makes it out of hidden empire or not but margo wouldn't need to come for it's Dryan voss he was also kept alive by hate everyone's (laughs) kept alive by hate (laughs) I, I need a sequel or at least something else because I need to know now what who who was it? It's gonna drive me crazy. She comes to Dragon Con next year and, and it's not answered by then. We're cornering her. All right. Mm-hmm. There's three of us, we can take her. Or if you know you're listening, just hit us up in the comments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we could have all the time we want after the job. You and I. What? I want to. You want to? To tell you everything that's happened. But I know if I do, you won't look at me the same. The way that you're looking at me right now. Nothing's going to change the way I'm looking at you right now. You don't know that. You don't know what I've done. (laughs) All right. So, Beth, what are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to keep Halloween going for a lot, lot longer than it should be because we're going to read Death Troopers. Woo! Um, Wait. It's been a long time. I probably should have looked up who wrote Death Troopers. Before, Joe something. Before I started saying anything. It's Joe something. Joe something. Hang on. Let me find. Let me pull up my Kindle app here real quick. Joe Schreiber. Zombie novel. I'm enjoying it. As I said, timely with the soca. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. And we will talk to you all soon. Roger, roger.